From the studios of Boise State Public Radio News, I'm Gemma Gaudet. More Idaho Matters right now. Readers fell in love with author Nikki Payne's debut novel, Pride and Protest. It was a retelling of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. I mean, it got all kinds of buzz. We're talking from Ebony Magazine to Oprah Daily. Well, now Nikki is back with her latest novel, Sex, Lies, and Sensibility, a modern reworking of Austin's Sense and Sensibility. And we are so lucky to have Nikki joining us today. Nikki, welcome to the program. Hi, I'm excited to be here. So Nikki, let's just start with um, kind of your fascination with Jane Austen. Where did this come from? Oh my gosh, Gemma. Imagine <laughs> the year is 1995, year of our Lord. And what things, I'm, I'm growing up, I'm mm-hmm. becoming a woman. And what things happen? Clueless comes out. And that was this cultural revolution, mole culture, teenage life. And this was a retelling of Emma. And if that weren't enough, also the 1995 eight-hour Pride and Prejudice with Colin Firth is also out in 1995. And if you're not like already on your back, that sense and sensibility with Emma Thompson's like iconic emotional Mm -hmm. breakdown at the end with Hugh Grant, that was also 1995. I don't know how anyone my age made it out of that year alive, um, much less not <laughs> a complete vanity. <laughs> I mean, we were fighting for our lives. So I am a giant. That was the my beginning, middle, and ending of just my absolute love for Jane Austen. Not ending. So you're and, and am I am I correct? You're an anthropologist as well. I am. I'm a cultural anthropologist with a, a PhD from Rice University. So how does that then play into, uh, you know, going back in time, right, with with these stories and everything that Jane Austen wrote, but then being able to really set them in modern times? Because let's be honest, I mean, we want to think that a lot of things have changed, but so many things haven't, especially when you can retell these stories. Yeah, yeah, no, honestly, I love to think about Jane Austen as a little bit of a low-key anthropologist of her day. She mm. really meticulously examined and and shared out in ridiculous detail those societal norms, rituals, and dynamics of the English gentry. And mm-hmm. she always uses really sharp wit and these really keen observations. And though a lot of people see her as kind of traveling in that Regency normalcy, like a lot of folks read Jane Austen and say like, oh, let me think of yesteryear when things were ordered. Um, She's in fact really tongue in cheek about the structure of society and focusing on women during that time when they can exercise just this tiny modicum of agency. And mm-hmm. I, I think she was, I think she was really kind of on the outside telling a, a story about society. I, I feel like anthropologists do that all the time. I so agree with you. I mean, especially that, that little bit of agency that you just talked about. I mean, even when you, when you talked about 1995, right. And, and all yeah. of those movies that came out, you see that in those adaptations, right? right. Of, uh, of just like, I mean, women didn't have much power, but the tiny bit that they did, I feel like in her, uh, in her works, that she was able to really hone in on that. And yes. and so, what's that like for you? You know, to retell that, and and you do see that. I mean, it's a tiny bit of agency, but it's there. But it's there. It's there. So what what I love about this work, particularly like using my background as an anthropologist, I did research Mm -hmm. on aesthetics and power and how people see things that are beautiful. 
And one of the things that we saw in this landmark study of like how people use romantic social media, they found that Black women and Asian men were the least responded to in like, on these huh. dating apps. So they were perceived to have like less sexual currency than other partners. Mm -hmm. And something about, particularly when I was writing Pride and Protest, like thinking about what would it mean to make these canonical characters, the always desirable, witty, fun, uh, electric Elizabeth Bennet, what would it mean to make her a Black woman? And what would it mean to mm -hmm. make the brooding, handsome, lead man of everyone's dreams, Mr. Darcy, an Asian man? Right. So there's always this aspect of bringing our modern understanding of culture and desirability and beauty into these archetypical desirable characters. So there's always that right. little play on that. So let's talk about your latest novel, Sex, Lies Ooh. and Sensibility. As I mentioned, it is a it's a retelling of, of Sense and Sensibility. So give us kind of the uh, give us give us the, the, the background on on this book. Um, just a, a, a bit of an overview to sisters, to um, um, Black women from the the um, D.C. area, find mm -hmm. out at really the worst possible time that they are the, to say the least. <laughs> There's no great time, right? Right, <laughs> but they, right. At their father's funeral, um, that they are the outside children. And the real Dash family, they don't play nice. They leave them with a dilapidated inn in foreclosure in Maine. Oh. And so they literally have nothing to their names, but the shirts on their, mm -hmm. their backs and they hide themselves to Maine. And what do they see the, before they've even dusted off the, their Prada boots, they see someone <laughs> there who is claiming that this is his unofficial headquarters. And this is an, a native American eco tour guide an Abenaki um, native who runs tours uh -huh. out of that abandoned property. And so they immediately have to come to some sort of understanding and it ends up being pretty um, spicy, pretty romantic in, in the end. Well, and I, and I love this, this retelling of it in this way, right. For, because for folks that aren't familiar with sense and sensibility, I mean, the same thing, two sisters and, and they basically lose everything and have to go hole up in the country. Yes. And I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the whole premise of it. So where did you get the, the idea to really, you know, expand on this, not just in this modern version, but again, I mean, you have two very strong black female characters who are funny, who are witty, you know, do you talk about agency, right? But then mm -hmm. you bring in a Native American, which I have to say, I think I'm trying to think if I've ever read a, a rom-com um, novel that has had one of the main characters be Native American. Right, right. I mean, this is, this is uh, something that I was deeply interested in examining. I think as a, again, as someone who's interested in cultures and cultural exchange, this, that is something that I have always found missing. Like there are conversations. I think Blacks and Native Americans have a complex relationship to modernity not to get super nerdy here but if you think like black bodies are sometimes seen as an outrage to the past right think of like mm -hmm. hashtag not mm -hmm. my aerial or when bridgerton came out and they you know had these black people in these regency clothes and how shocking mm -hmm. that was and native bodies are often only seen somehow right as belonging to the past 
right? And so writing a contemporary romance in a small town with both of these subjectivities, I, I think it does interesting work and work that I'm always interested in uh, in understanding. Like, how do they relate to themselves? How do they um, allow um, this really romantic story to unfold between them with these like interesting things that blacks and natives have to talk to each other about mm -hmm. where they belong in society. Well, can I tell you, that was one of the things that really stood out to me uh, reading this was that, I mean, you start in DC, right? Which uh, there's, I mean, of course it's, it's not, um, there are so many people of color who live in, in DC. So right. that's so easy to, to, you know, let your imagination run with that. Right. But then all of a sudden when you plop them in Maine, I mean, I, I've spent a little bit of time in Maine and, and I was thinking, I don't know if I've actually seen many people of, of <laughs> right. color in Maine before. So was that part of it too for you was like, let's put them in a situation where it, where this is also something that we don't see often, or we don't yeah. then, you know, we don't have that lived experience of seeing this. You're absolutely right. Uh, one of the reasons why Maine was um, really important to me was that it it lives in lore, right? Almost as this place where there are no people of color, right? It's mm -hmm. almost yeah. the story, particularly for Black folk, it's almost the story of Maine. Why would they go to Maine? There are no Black folk up there, you know? <laughs> and so this this notion of like, um, where where you where you're welcome and where you go and mm. where you're rooted and where you're planted. There's this story of this larger theme about where home can can really ever be and and how you make it with the people around you and the found community. And mm. I think small towns are a great way to to examine that. And oftentimes you you don't see that that aspect of like people of color in these small town uh romances, particularly if it's if if none of those lead characters are white. And so this is this is an interesting take. Again, started mm -hmm. from my own curiosity about what it means to put these bodies in these um spaces. But writing this contemporary small town, rural, rustic, you know, people of color, um, it was both compelling and it ended up being extremely heartwarming to understand how family is found and made. <laughs> So when you, you know, when Pride and Pro Protest was released, did you have any inkling of, of, I mean, when I say readers fell in love with this book, I mean, they did. And the accolades that this book got, I would assume that when you're writing a novel, you're just hoping someone will read it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. This is, this is such a great point that you bring up because there's no, um, there's no scarcity of Jane Austen retellings, right? You can literally <laughs> yeah. throw a dart and hit a Jane Austen retelling. It's not, <laughs> there's no scarcity. So I wrote this book out of my own joy and honestly just hoping that my Jane Austen fanfic girlies uh, just read it and said, hey, this was a good, this was a good try. We loved it. And so like seeing how many people have responded to it, seeing how people who have, one of my favorite reviews of Pride and Protest was someone on Goodreads essentially saying, hey, I didn't give an F about Pride and Prejudice, and now I do. <laughs> that, was the that was the whole review. <laughs> you know, uh, these are people who had never read Pride and Prejudice, who had never heard of Jane Austen, and read mm -hmm. this book and were completely um, moved by it, so much so that they cracked open a Jane Austen. This is what happened to me in Clueless. It was actually a, a retelling that brought me to Jane Austen. So I, I, I take that, I take those accolades really humbly. 
So what's that got to be like, right? For someone who has not, maybe they didn't even know who Jane Austen was, right? Right. And then you you get this simple review that's like, and now I care. And now they're yes. going to read Jane Austen, right? Right, right. Uh, honestly, to me, it's like my evil plan is working, right? <laughs> there's, this, <laughs> there's this sense, right? That like Jane Austen's not for Black folk or it's not for people of color. Yeah. Or like when you, when you read this, you're reading... Um, about some other people in some other time, right? Particularly when you think about like women of leisure and how, you know, mm-hmm. Black folk hadn't really been allowed this aspect of, of leisure, leisurely um, life. But I think these stories of um, of women who are finally able to like exercise that moment of agency, who choose, who make these choices that are wrong at first, they're they're wrongheaded. They make all these mistakes and they're still deserving of love. I think particularly mm. the, like for, for black women, having, having a, a, a black female character who's not always making the right decisions. Who's not, who doesn't have it all together. Who's not hashtag TM strong black woman and, and still finds a soft place to land and still worthy yeah. of a happy ending. I still, I, I, I'm still, I'm going to root for it every time. Well, and you know, I think too, there's this this idea that that God forbid women live their lives out loud, right? Oh wow, and, right? <laughs> like, and and that is what I I so appreciate is that when in this book, I mean, they're these women are messy, right? As you said, they don't always make the right choices, but they're like so many you can relate because you're like, oh yeah, been there, done that, or right. I mean, you're you're and 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 to to feel that camaraderie in a book, I think is so special, but I mean, but also that idea that, that I love that you're kind of breaking out of those boundaries of yes, women can live big. Right. Right. They and can. I think that's and, beautiful. And and they're not like going to be punished for it. Not in my, mm-hmm. not in my universe. Right. Even though right. sometimes in real life, you know, that's not the case, but in the book, that's I'm a whole right, different story. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to live out loud and, um, and they're going to find the love that they want at the same time. Well, I so thank you for the conversation today um, and such a great book. Just really, really appreciate you and your time. Thank you so much. This was a blast. Thanks so much for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gemma Gaudet. We'll see you tomorrow. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.